Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Mark. And this is the Take Imperfect three. Church Podcast. <laughs> John, let me talk. Oh, I'm gosh. speaking. Um, all right. So this is the third one in our marathon recording session. Yep. We're about to get three before lunch, man. I ain't no doubt. Of course, you That's wanted to crazy. go to lunch three hours ago. I could have gone to lunch three hours ago. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, this is a uh, theology. We've done a theologian today. We've done a practical today. So we're doing a theology today, and then we're going to come back and do a special one after lunch. After, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Because again, to remind all of our listeners out there, you faithful few, Brian is, le- Brian is leaving us. Brian we has few. already left us. Ryan is leaving us. We few, we banded brothers. So we've got to uh, we've we've got to get some knocked out. That's it. So you don't have to drive to Newton, or I don't have to drive to Bruce, or we don't have to do that terrible, terrible thing of recording it over Zoom or yeah. Google Meet or whatever else yeah, whatever we're going to decide be. to use. So well, you know, we are and we are going to do that terrible, terrible thing because I think it's better to do that terrible, terrible thing than to stop podcasting. Oh yeah, we are no doubt. Don't give the don't no give doubt. The, don't no give, doubt. Don't gonna, give our three listeners a heart attack. <laughs> we are going to uh, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it as long as we can. That's it. So this is one of those uh, theological discussions today that uh, is fun to talk about, uh, but it cannot be completely understood. Right, and yet it is. It is so necessary. It is. Insanely necessary to get the person of Jesus Christ correct. Right. And when we err on the person of Christ, we can get into some some big issues. Yeah. Ultimately, if we err on the person of Christ, then we have a Savior that can't save. Yeah, sure. So we want to make sure we get this right. Yep. No doubt. And and so you're just following us through. We're going through uh, the outline, basically, uh, the, the, the... table of contents, basically, of Wayne Grudem's theology, so we're just kind of taking it subject by subject, and uh, so today we're going to be talking about the person of Christ, defined by Dr. Grudem himself, is Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. Will be so forever. That's good stuff. So so let's just, let's begin first with the humanity of Christ. All right, so... Uh, you know, when you talk about the humanity of Christ, when we begin to talk about uh, his humanness, we acknowledge immediately that uh, he is human in the sense that he was born, right? But he right. was born of a virgin, mm-hmm. and this is a critical part of understanding who Jesus is. Right. So when it comes to Christmas time, we talk about a virgin birth. We're doing that more than just because that's what the Bible says. Right. We're doing that because that is that is particularly important concerning. Um, the crucifixion. Yeah, we talk about yeah. the incarnation, which is Jesus being born of a virgin, being God becoming man. Um, that idea of the incarnation, if if you look specifically at Athanasius' work on the incarnation, which is an early church uh, work um, about the incarnation, it spends the majority of the time not talking about the birth in Bethlehem, but talking about the cross, right? Yeah, because they are so intimately connected. Yeah, uh, Jesus was born with human nature. In other words, he was 100% man, born in the same way that you and I were born. That's exactly right. Uh, Maybe the circumstances were a little bit differently. You may have also been born in a barn. Uh, (laughs) But as my mom and dad reminded me, I was not raised in a barn. That's right. That's right. Um, But he was also... He was also born of a virgin. In other words, right. he was not he was not conceived in the same way that you and I were conceived with a human 
mother and a human father. That's right. So the virgin birth, it makes possible this very understanding or uniting of these two things, the deity and the humanity of God. Right. That's why the virgin birth is so important for us to have a good understanding of. Right. And it make and this is a little bit differently than what we see in perhaps, you know, say Greek mythology where we have Hercules who is a demigod who right, his father right, is, right. is is a god and his mother is an is an earthly uh, human. Yep. Uh, and so then he becomes half god. We're not saying yep. that Jesus is half god. We're saying that he's whole god. Sure. God sure. Almighty became flesh. He is 100% God and 100% man. That's right. And uh, as we consider the virgin birth, then if it really is as important as Ryan and I are saying in this moment that it is, to deny the virgin birth is to deny something about Jesus himself. Right, right. And it's just dangerous. Right, and it's it's creating a different Jesus than the gospel proclaims. And no other Jesus can save. Uh, yep. So when we talk about his humanity, we confess that he he assumed upon himself mm-hmm. human weaknesses. That's right, he did. Uh, Jesus had a human body. We read about that in Scripture. We know that Jesus uh, got tired, right? I mean, Jesus rested, yeah, and uh-huh. so he was sleeping in that boat when the boat was a... Uh, Shaken from the storm. When the right? boat was so, a shaken, that could be a good bluegrass song. That's right. So uh, we know the boat that Jesus, was a shaken. Uh, he had a body. We know that Jesus had a mind, but Jesus wouldn't waken. <laughs> That's awful. You like that? Jesus had a mind as well, yeah. and we know that because uh, Luke, Doctor Luke, uh-huh. tells us that Jesus, as he was maturing and growing, he he increased in wisdom. Right. Right. So there was some sense of Jesus uh, using his human mind. Uh, Jesus. Yesterday I did a funeral, and I reminded of the people that were at that funeral that Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it means that Jesus had he had he had emotions, right? As we yeah. have emotions, uh, so it's 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 good to see as we look at this Jesus being totally human and totally God that he was in fact understood by those that were around him to be a man. Right, right. That was the that was the assumption of the people. Actually, mm-hmm. was that he was a man. Right. So obviously, he was displaying his humanness mm-hmm. in order for everyone to see. Right, and and I think that's very helpful to understand that uh, Jesus. Uh, I think that's what the book of Hebrews tells us, right? Yep. He, as a man, was tempted in every way uh, right. so that he that's could right. be our perfect high priest. That's right. Uh, yet he did not sin. That's right. And that's the difference between uh, between Jesus and us. Though he was 100% man, uh, he did not possess a sin nature and did not sin. That's right. No doubt. And and even though he was, uh, he was human, he didn't do it, which brings up to some people's question then. They would say, well, then he is not human. If he did not sin, wrong. But, yeah. You know that's the, that's the phrase, right? To err is human, and yet we find yep. out that Jesus. Yep. That the reason why that comes up is because we begin our definition of what it means to be human with our own human experience, that's exactly right, and not with God's defined human that's experience. Right. We are the abnormal, right? We are abnormal because we that's were right. humans were created to not sin. That's right. Jesus yep. shows yep. us what it yep. means to be human and that's to be right. a, and to be human in its essence. To be a, to be a human is to not sin. That's right. Uh, and Jesus shows us that. Yeah, um, and I think it's also important. Uh, the end of of the Jesus was fully God and fully man and one person and will be so forever. That that last little phrase will be so forever is often hard for us to understand. Yeah, but when Jesus took on human flesh, that was a permanent decision. Sure, Jesus yeah. today is still one hundred percent human. Watch out! Yeah, I'm hearing a second Yahweh, and that's there. it. That's it. So, uh, and that's important for us because it means that one of our kind. Yeah, is now in the throne room of God, interceding for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that so that also shows the great links that God would go to save us sure. to assume a human form forever. 
to become human forever. And that, that to me, is, is the grace upon grace that he would do that. So we, we do say that God was, God, Jesus, excuse me, was sinless. He was sinless in his, uh, in his um, life then and even now and up until this day and forever. Uh, so it brings a good question, I think, that people, that people ask. And that question is, could he have sinned? Was it possible? Was it within the realm of possibilities that Jesus could have sinned against God? Yes and no. <laughs> I think that we, sounds like a non-answer. That's, to me. I mean, that, that, that you have to take it like that because yeah. could could Jesus sin as God? No, God cannot sin. It okay. is against His nature. He yep. cannot violate Himself. Yep. Uh, yes, he has the capabilities of sinning, just like we all do. He mm-hmm. was a human. He had mm-hmm. opportunities, right? Yeah. Was he tempted. not tempted? Right. right. Um, and Jesus could have followed those opportunities, yeah. yet he did not. That's right. Um, and but, I think that question, the, the reason you asked that question, uh, the reason I asked that question is because I think it is important for us to be reminded that Scripture has told us that he was tempted in every way. Right. He was tempted in every way that we will be tempted. Uh, that he what he did experience that ex, that time in the desert or in the wilderness mm-hmm. with Satan, and yet he did not sin. And right. so the most important conclusion to that question is not either a yes or no he could have or he could not have. The most important conclusion is he did not. He did not. Right. So that and that so proves his sinlessness, even in the midst of understanding his human weakness and limitation limitations, because it so proves he was God. And he was man. That's it. That's it. Uh, so now we come to the other side of the coin, which okay. these are two. Indeed, two sides of one coin. Uh-huh. We cannot have a human Jesus or a God Jesus, right. divine Jesus. Yep. We yep. must have both. Yep. And that is the divinity of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. This this leads to me to probably one of the most uh, worshipful doctrines of yep. all of Scripture. Yep. And it has a weird name. It's called the Extra Calvinisticum. Uh, which is, once again, a weird Latin name, but it means this, essentially. It teaches that Christ's divine nature cannot be enclosed or imprisoned within the human nature, but it remains infinite despite being in union with a finite body. What that means is that (laughs) Jesus, as a baby in Bethlehem, still held the world together in his hands. Wow, yeah. Which is nuts. (laughs) That's what it is. It's nuts. Yes, it is. Uh, But it's no less taught by Scripture that he is the one by whom all all the world is created and sustained, and Jesus, the infant in Bethlehem, continued to sustain the world while still being a baby in Bethlehem. That's right, that's right. That's crazy to think about. his, His deity was there even in that moment. And you know we we don't have to look very far inside of the Word of God to see that there are there are claims that that Jesus is in fact God. Right. The words that we use to describe God the Father are used to describe Jesus. So right. I do think that it's important to note that uh, if you're going to use that as your only evidence, if you're if you're going to use Scripture and it's claiming that Jesus is God as your only evidence, you need to have a good understanding of Scripture itself. Right. We understand Scripture to be not to contain the Word of God, but to be the Word of right, God. Right, right. And since it is the Word of God, what it says is without any error or mm-hmm. any confusion. And so therefore, when it calls Jesus God, 
we have to believe that because right. it because of what we know and understand about the word. But not only do we see these claims that Jesus is God in Scripture, we also see the evidence of this being played out in Scripture as well, the miracles he performs and such. Right. Uh, and I think that's we see that uh, specifically in John. You know, John, yeah, the sure. I am yep. statements. Yep. It is impossible to read the Gospels and not see that Jesus is claiming to be divine. Yeah. And, and not only... I say that because as a 20th century reader, 21st century reader, uh-huh. um, we see that. But the Jewish people of his day saw that. Yeah. That's why the Pharisees wanted to put him to death. Right, this man right. is committing blasphemy, they say, yeah. because Jesus is saying, I am God. Yeah, I am sure. Yahweh. Sure. And so that is, that's very helpful to see. Yeah. So this brings up a theological uh, question. A theological question. Sticky, huh? Yeah. So... Uh, Jesus, we have we have hopefully for you we have confirmed the fact that he is a hundred percent human. We have hopefully confirmed the fact for you uh, that Scripture teaches us, evidence proves to us that Jesus is in Christ a hundred percent God. So Paul talks a little bit about Jesus giving up some of his divine attributes while he is on earth. That's questionable. <laughs> okay. Just does follow, the question follow is, me here. does Paul say that? Okay, follow me here. It it's called kenosis, right? Mm-hmm. It's called the kenotic kenotic theory mm-hmm. that Jesus in fact did surrender some of his abilities or attributes in order to live on earth. And uh, so the question comes if he is fully God and fully man, did it require of Jesus to surrender part of his character. All right, so this is where I think Nicene Christianity comes into play here. Okay. These are these are difficult questions, but they're not difficult questions that the church has ignored. Yeah. We 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 talked about them and and uh, we confessed them in the 1st century. Mm-hmm. So, when we talk about the divine nature, what makes up the divine nature? We talk about God as not being uh, a god who is made up of parts. Yep. In other words, God isn't part love, part wrath, part uh, whatever else. Uh, no, God is one, and so He is not. The divine attributes is not is not a multiple parts. He is simple, is the is the is the theological term. He is one entity. So what that means then is that His omniscience, His uh, His His omnipresence, His love, His wrath, all of these these attributes of God cannot be separated from one another. Mm-hmm. So, if Jesus gave up one of them, then he is giving up the divine nature of God. Mm-hmm. And we have a problem there, we do. right? So we yes, have to. We so if we we then we, then we have a problem because Jesus on this earth is not omnipresent, yeah, right? He's in right. one body. Yeah. So did he give up omnipresence? And if he did, did he give up being God? Yeah. And so we have to begin by saying no. Jesus did not give up being God. Yeah. Yeah. And so then the question becomes not was he omnipresent, but in what ways? And there you go. Okay. Uh, which, once again, is a sticky theological issue. That's right. That's right. Some and, people would say you're not saying enough, or you're right. Not, you're not. You're yes. You're, you're trying to dodge. Right. And so when we talk about the canonic theory of of understanding Philippians two, uh, which Philippians two is where this comes from. That's the right. word kenosis is a Greek word that comes in Philippians two. Paul uses yep. where it talks about Jesus Christ becoming the form of a servant, taking on the form of mankind, uh, giving up the, the glories of heaven so that mm-hmm. he could walk among us, uh, even going to death on the cross. Uh, there are a couple understandings of kenosis theory. This theory really comes out of the German uh, academic world back in in, uh, the 20th century, 19th century, those areas that said he did give up 
his divine attributes and became less than God while on earth. We would reject that as heresy. Sure. However, there's a renaissance of this in evangelical theology today um, where the kenosis theory says that God did not give up any attributes of God, but he covered those attributes with the attributes of man. This kenosis theory, once again, runs into some problems with the idea of of the simplicity of God, which yeah. is the, the understanding of God and the great tradition uh, of the church. Um, so there's some sticky issues here. So would it be safe to say that the this this new this new thought concerning mm-hmm. kenosis would be could be phrased better as he did not give them up, but he set them aside. Right. Uh, he chose not to access them. That's is, right. is some of the so language. They were still there. Right. But yeah, they were yeah. just set aside in a yeah. moment. Which that has its own problems. I, I'm going to reject the kenosis theory and the sure. and the modern evangelical um, form of it because I do think it has some sticky problems. I don't think those that hold it are heretics. I just think their language is not as precise as I would like them to be. Well, and I and we need to recognize here, and we'll move on, but but language is insufficient it is. to describe the nature of God. It is. Mm-hmm. And so language is insufficient to describe the nature of Jesus. Right. And uh, we, we try to wrap what is what is a finite mind mm-hmm. yeah. around an infinite God, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. And I would say, here's a point where the podcast really is is not sufficient to talk about these issues uh, because of our time because limits. Of the, because of the people talking and, about and it? And because John and I are not smart. <laughs> so I would recommend two books for you. Uh, one I would recommend for a a good summary of the nature of Christ from a canonic uh, evangelical uh, theory yeah. is going to be Bruce's Bruce Ware's book um, uh, Jesus the Man Christ Jesus. Okay, it's a great book. It's a short book. It's very accessible and and uh, Bruce Ware is one of the leading evangelical Southern Baptist mm-hmm. who falls into this camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other end of it, I would recommend um, James Dozell's. Um, I think it's uh, the simplicity of God is maybe what it's called. Um, I might be wrong on that. On that, um, we'll put it in. We'll put, we'll put it in notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, but it's it's James Dozell, uh, yeah. who's the one who wrote it, uh, and he's gonna he's gonna argue for the simplicity of God, uh, and I think that's that's helpful as well. Yeah. Also, there's a book coming out by Matthew Barrett soon on the nature mm-hmm. of of Jesus that is going to take to task Bruce Ware's. Um, views on this uh, because he was Bruce Ware was his was was his doctoral uh, one of his doctoral readers I believe there they were he was a former student and okay. so he's 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 really taken to task Ware's view on this um, it's gonna it's gonna blow up the academy uh, yeah. it's gonna be big uh, not so much in the local church but it's gonna be a big book and so I would look out for that as well because that's gonna that's gonna give you two views balanced views a critique of one of them sure uh, and that will help you understand these things the most important thing though here is understanding that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man though it gets sticky yeah so we we need to look to the word to get that the, the uh, affirmations on this uh, theological concept one other thing that Ryan is real good to always remind us that good good barriers or boundaries for our theology is church history. That's it. So we could look to church history and see where guys took their view of the person of Christ too far and make sure that we do not ease into those areas as well. Mm-hmm. So there are three, real quickly, there are three inadequate views of the person of Christ, and uh, we're going to just, let's just name them, 
define them. Name them and claim them. Name them and define them and then kind of come back to the solutions. Is that all right? That so sounds good. Part. So we'll begin with Apollinarianism. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's always funny. I saw a tweet the other day of just when I think I have all the early church Christological heresies down pat, I yeah. forget them. And I, I think <laughs> yeah. that's true. So even now, uh, John asked me, do you know what these things are? And I was like, yeah. And then I said, remind me. Yeah, right. Um, so Apollinarianism is that Jesus had a human body, that's but right. not a human mind or will. That's right. So th- here's the problem with that real quick. What Jesus, this is what the early church would say, what Jesus did not assume cannot be saved. In other words, if Jesus just assumed human body, then our yep. bodies can be saved. Right. But right. if he did not assume our mind and our soul as well, as well, our nature as well, then our natures and our minds cannot be saved. So the early church is going to reject that. So so uh, I don't really want to get into this, but... Uh, then don't ask the question. Yeah. Huh? Don't ask the question. Then. Is this kindred yeah. to that? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. uh, it, it's maybe an opposite of that because... Um, he, I, I, well, maybe it's going hand in hand because the body is evil and right, Gnostic yeah. thought. Okay. All right. um, so that may be one of the reasons why so that's they why say... He, he can't be God in body. Right, is exactly. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. the next one, uh, I'm going to let you pronounce all of them. Nestorianism. Nestorianism. So, oh, uh, Nestoria. If you wanted just a good kind of kind of look into history, look up the relationship between uh, Nestorius, the, the heretic, and the guy that pronounced it, that got the council together that pronounced him a heretic. Yeah. Because it seus like Nestorius got the bad end of the deal. Maybe mm-hmm. his followers were going a little bit further than he was. Maybe yeah. he, you know. And that's the thing. When we think about all these heretics, most of them, most of them that were, were that were committing these, were, were not waking up one day and saying, hey, let's commit a heresy. Yeah. They were trying to understand this complicated sure. issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Nestorianism is essentially that there are two persons of, of Jesus within yeah. with within the second person of the Trinity. Yeah. Um, so that he is he is separate, split. The so, two natures do not intertwine. Yeah. All right. So it's two completely whole different people within one person. Right. And so Jesus, the person Jesus, has has a person of God in him and a person yep. of man yep. in him. And it really it leads to some issues yep. once again. Sure. Uh, right. Because it creates not three persons of the Godhead, but four persons of the Godhead. Right. And yeah. one of them's a man. Yeah. And not God. Yeah. So there's some issues. Yeah. All right. So the last one here, these are these are views that are inadequate. We're trying to avoid monophyticism. Monophysis. Don't you love that one? Yeah. So this one this one is that there was only one nature. Mm-hmm. But it was a new nature. Yeah, so it was, it was a, a newly created nature, right? Which would be half God, half man. Yep. Which is the to me, this is I may I may be I may be incorrect to say this, but this seems like the Hercules theory, okay? The Heracles theory, right? He's a demigod. He's half man. He's half. That's it. That's that's a good movie. Yeah. So, you know, once again, this is this is not giving credit where credit is due. It's it's making him less of God, and really, honestly, making him less of man. Yeah. And once again, God is all man, or Jesus is all man and all God. Um. And so really, one of the ways that we put up some guardrails for us, and this is going to be our dead man for today, is through uh, the Nicene Creed. We are Nicene Christians, whether we realize that or not, and the Chalcedonian Creed. Uh, both of these were confessed by the church to uh, to correct some of these inadequate views of the person of Christ. So I want to, I want to read just briefly bits of the Nicene Creed, and then we'll, we'll uh, tell you to look up the Chalcedonian Creed on your own. Um, but the Nicene Creed says this, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all and of all things visible and invisible. And then here comes the important part uh, for our conversation today. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, 
being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. That is uh, the statement, uh, the Christological statement in uh, the Nicene Creed, which helps us to understand that God is, or that Jesus is 100% God, very light of very light, God, very God of very God, and once again, he became man, begotten, not made. So that's helpful. All right. Well, that was a, that is a very difficult theological concept that we just covered in less than 30 minutes. Look at that. Uh, and I would say for us, uh, what does this mean for the layperson, right? Uh, if you're if you're a pastor, it's helpful to have your head around these things when you're dealing with difficult passages in the scriptures. But what does it mean for the layperson? Well, here's what it means: one, God has gone through great, great lengths to save us. So it begins with worship, right? Yeah. We think about very God of very God, light from light eternal. We worship God. We worship Him for giving us Christ Jesus, mm. um, begotten and not made. That 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 the second person of the Trinity would assume human flesh as a permanent thing, um, and he would he would walk upon this earth. God would be among us. God would dwell with us. He would truly be our Emmanuel. Yeah. Uh, and that is, to me, a worshipful experience, and one that we want to make sure that we we learn a lot about, right? We, we don't want to ever say, I know enough about Jesus. Right, yeah. Exactly. Uh, because we don't. Yeah. And we want to make sure that we are studying and getting to know him more, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord. Yep, good stuff. That's it. All righty then. We appreciate you guys. If you like our podcast, please do like, rate, and review us on iTunes. We will see you next time. Until then, keep loving your Imperfect Church podcast. Nope. Keep loving your Imperfect Church, and remember one day she will be perfected in glory.